Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to All About Guitar with Jeff Lolo, only on LA Talk Radio. instrument. It has developed into an incredible voice in today's music. So many types of guitars, so many styles of playing, all sorts of gear. How does one make their voice be heard as a guitarist? My name is Jeff Floro and welcome to All About Guitar where we talk tone, we talk technique, we talk gear. Where we discover how we can become better musicians in a world of constantly changing technologies. Where we take a good look at everything guitar. And sometimes not exactly guitar, but just as important. So we can be more successful as a musician in today's music scene. So sit back and relax, and let's explore All About Guitar. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to All About Guitar. We have a great show for you tonight. Uh, My guest is Rob Garland, and uh, quite an interesting person. Does a lot of things, and he's a perfect example also, too, of wearing many hats just in this industry, which is kind of a necessity now more than it ever was. And uh, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank and then you, I'm going to go a little bit into your background. Uh, he's, uh, besides being a session guitarist and playing with some interesting people, uh, whose phone is on, it, that's probably mine. There. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, our, our phones, we forgot to mute the volume. It is muted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, you should be okay now. Okay. Anyway, uh, the uh, besides being a session player, he's also an author. He's written some books on guitar, and he's currently a one of the staff faculty staff at uh, Musicians Institute. So I just want to welcome you. It's really an honor to have you here. And let's just start. Let's go back to the beginning because you hail from England, right? Yes, from a little seaside town in the southeast called Margate. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Now. So tell us a little bit of your background, how you got into guitar, because it's rare that we have people, you know, I, your influences must have been very interesting because you were, there was, in England, when you were a kid, there was a lot of stuff happening. Yeah, it's it's funny though, because when I was getting into guitar, I started playing guitar when I was about 14, um, started really listening to music seriously and just loving it, you mm-hmm. know, before that. But at the time, the music that was really on the radio in England was the pop music of the day, you know, Tears for Fears, Duran Duran, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, which, funnily enough, later on I came to kind of appreciate, um, you know, as, as some well-crafted pop music. But at the time, um, I had this uh, this friend and I were kind of like uh, little metalheads in the south of England, and we would listen to this um, late-night radio show on BBC 
uh, Radio 1, and it was called The Friday Rock Show. It was a mm-hmm. really, really infamous show and um, with Tommy Vance, the DJ. And he would play all the American rock and the British rock, mm-hmm. you know, what you would call kind of hard rock or, or, you know, metal or whatever like that. And that's the first time we were exposed to, you know, it sounds funny to say it, but bands like Van Halen were almost underground to us. You oh, know? really? Yeah, because you wouldn't hear that on the on the pop radio of the day there, you know, and they didn't have separate radio stations for styles then you know so that was really the only show that would play that stuff you know wow it's hard to believe that it is isn't it? <laughs> wasn't played on the radio i mean it was kind of played on the radio a little later that but in the early days there you know that right. was kind of us hearing it and so my first sort of guitar heroes were very rock based players gary moore was my favorite player right. growing up i love jeff beck and and you know and once i got into the, the gary moores and the van halens and uh you know those kind of guys then i would go on a journey back where did they get influenced by, you know, and that would, and then you have those sort of middle people like Clapton and, and, um, uh, you know, Steve Ray Vaughan. And then I go back beyond that and get into Freddie King and the blues was a big mm-hmm. part of it, you know, and, and I was a huge Richie Blackmore fan, still am, you know, Hendrix, all, all the, the regular guys you'd expect. But to start with, it was the rock guitarists were really getting me. Yeah. You know? So you were getting most of the guys from the seventies, most of the seventies. Yeah, 70s exactly. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And it's funny. And, and that's great. Because that's one thing when you listen to some of these guys that are iconic guitar players like Eddie, yeah, you it's it's good to go and look at where they came from. Sure, yeah. I mean, yeah. Eddie was very influenced by Clapton, yeah. And uh, but I mean, it's interesting to see where they got their their where they got their inspiration. Definitely, yeah, yeah. And there are certain pivotal points. Like I remember hearing the outro to Sultans of Swing, you know, the Dire Straits. And that just, and that was, I think, before I started playing guitar. And also the intro to Voodoo Child, when, when Jimmy would bend that note and have the pickup switch go, oh, to this day, you know, it's just, I was so thrilled by that, you know, I still yeah. have. And, and so those things kind of, it was more about a feeling, you know, evoking mm-hmm. a feeling early on like that. Um, so it was all of that kind of stuff. And I started playing in bands very young, like a, almost a couple of years after starting playing. So, so there was a music scene at your... Oh, yeah, your, yeah. Which is... Yeah, well, when we would travel, we would go to London and we would go to various other cities and play and do the college circuit and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing, you know. So I, I started playing in lots of bands early on. Um, and then I had kind of a pivotal moment where I heard um, Steve Lukather. And Steve Lukather really changed my whole way of thinking about the guitar and with Steve Luca then that led me to Larry Carlton, Lee Rent now, George Benson, Wes Montgomery and all of that, you know. But it was Luca that was a pivotal one for me, um, you know, hearing the early Toto records and just the fact that, oh, you can go beyond this pentatonic vocabulary, this this rock and roll vocabulary and have cool jazz harmony, even though, you know, it was only a slight bit of it in some of the Toto records. Right. He was still in that direction, you know. Um, but have that rock energy. You know, and so to this day, that's kind of been my direction, if you like, you know, and then, of course, yeah. later that led into, you know, the Alan Holdsworths and all those kind of guys. Yeah, well, so. he he was also one of the guys that just knew his tone. Oh, God. I yeah, mean, yeah. all those albums, you know, they just each one, the sound of the guitars were always amazing. Yeah. He's still even today, yeah. Yeah. he does a lot of uh, uh, he, he, he just has the tone, whether he was doing sessions for other people, and he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah. If you haven't read it, read his biography. It's amazing, some of the stuff that he did. It's just, but he knew that tone, so yeah. that was interesting. So now, when you were playing in these bands mm-hmm. and stuff, what were you using back then? Back then, I was using um, primarily Fender Strats. I was, always a, I was always a Strat guy right from the start, and I would have friends that would have Les Pauls and, uh, you know, 
Epiphones and what have you, and and I would play them, and I would just be like, "Oh no, this doesn't work for me. This is not good." You know, there was something I was playing in a lot of funk bands, and um, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, just a lot of the playing didn't seem to. I just can't be funky on a Les Paul for some reason. You know, whereas on the yeah, Strat, I, I always could. You yeah. know, um, now not to say that there aren't you know, because I mean Jeff Beck and Gary Moore, all these guys were using Les Pauls, but it wasn't for me. I was I was a Strat guy, and I was using. Um, it's funny actually, the first ever. Uh, amps, tube amps that I had, or valve, as we would say, um, were actually made by Crate, which is bizarre because I had then ended up living in St. Louis, where they were made, uh, where they made uh, Crate amps, you know. But then I switched to Marshalls in the UK, so I was using Marshalls for a long time. Oh, okay. I'm um, surprised. The um, when you were doing the funk stuff, you were using the Marshalls or the? Yeah, I was using the Marshalls, which isn't ideal for it. I mean, later on, I I used. I mean, I probably went about ten years with nothing but Fender Vibraluxes, and just I just ran yeah, yeah, cl- the, everything yeah, clean you for know. the funk stuff. Um, but, yeah, but but in the early days, it was the Marshalls. Guys you know? out here were using supers with the four. Right, tents, right, right. Cut. Which has kind of made a comeback, hasn't it? I'm seeing some of the guys with the supers again now. Right. So, well, with the know. tens, it it stays out of the way of the bass. But you also have, you cut, it's in a different spot than like horns. Mm-hmm. They're using horns. Right. So a lot of guys that were playing in bands at the time, when I was playing, there were a lot of bands that were doing Chicago and Blood, Sweat and Tears. Sure. Those guys would use the supers and it just cut that with a strap and a phase shifter and you were there. Yeah. It just had that, that sound. That was Definitely. Like yeah. Sound. Yeah. That's cool. So the uh, so it was Crate and Marshall. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, that was funny, right? <laughs> and then later on, I, because I, I would do a lot of, uh, you know, cover gigs and, and, you know, just working gigs, I needed uh, – that's when I started using more Fenders for a blank slate, and then I could build pedal boards and digital around that. So that would – depending on what the gigs were, you know. Right. But that was um, still in England? But that was, some of that was in England, yeah. I oh, started okay. – and then, and then when I came to America, I continued with the Fender stuff for yeah. a while. Because you know. I know in England at that time, you probably was fenders were really pricey. Well, they were not until not a little later on. You know, they were they were when I was. You mm-hmm. know, I'm now getting to like mid nineties and stuff. They oh, weren't okay. they weren't so yeah. bad then. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's interesting. No, that's pretty good. Now, uh, do you still use amps primarily when you're gigging? Now he's he's in two bands. And we're going to listen some clips in a minute. Uh, one of them is the Rob Garland's Eclectic Trio. That's right, yeah. And then Catatonic, which is a quartet or quintet? A uh, quintet now. Quintet. Yeah. And uh, so are you using amps? Yeah, I use, my, I use my Bogner for all of that. Um, I have a Bogner Shiva 20th anniversary, and it's a EL34 um, amp, you know. And you would think, uh, you know, for, particularly for Catatonic, which is kind of like a jazz funk band, you would think, again... If you're going to use a clean sound, wouldn't you want a Fender? But I, I went down to the Bogner factory and I AB'd 6L6 version with the, uh, you know, the, the KT88 and the EL34. And the EL34 was the most shimmery of those, which I wouldn't have thought. But there Yeah, you go, you now know. I've heard people say that, that yeah. they can get a good glassy sound. It's really glassy, yeah. It, yeah. So. so I use that as my, as my main amp. Um, I used Mesa Boogies for a while as well, Lone Star um, Deluxe. I had a, I had an endorsement with them, so I had a couple of their amps for a while. But mostly now, I use the Bogner for everything. Okay. In the studio, do you use any other? In the studio, I'll use uh, Fender Deluxe as well, um, and my Mesa Boogie sometimes as well, and the Bogner. And then if I'm if I'm using someone else's studio, it might you know I might see what they have as well. But those are my three primary amps. Okay. You know. Yeah. Well, you get you're getting all the sounds. Now, right. let me ask you this: the Bogner, yeah, compared to what you were using with the Marshall, what how do you dis- how would you describe the Bar- the Bogner compared to a Marshall? 
I think something about, I mean, and bear in mind the Marshalls I was using back in England were like J the JTM series and stuff, so they weren't you know the most exciting of Marshalls, you know. So they were well, like, the JTMs yeah. were good. They were good for what for for there, but I don't know. I mean, like now it seems like with the Bogner, there's just more of a presence. The word I would use would be presence. You know, with the gain, it, it, there's a presence to it that makes it just feel, um, you know, like it, it doesn't it doesn't sound thin in any way. Not mm-hmm. that Marshalls sound thin, but you know, it might they that, can. They it just can. depends yeah. on how you set it exactly, up. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I've been dialing back the gain more as well, which is another thing that you know, the older you get, you realize you can get more sustain with less gain, right? Uh, you know, I think that was. I think it was. When, I don't know. I still like to crank <laughs> it up. I think. I think it was when when they came out with those isolated uh, guitar tracks. You remember that? Like you would suddenly hear ACDC or Richie Blackmore and you go, wow, there's not that much gain on that, is there? You know, so yeah, that was kind no, of that's a... true. Now, did you notice uh, when you were in England using mm. the Marshalls, yeah. was there, now this is a debate that I'm, this right. is a little bit of a tangent, but I'm curious right. about this. Did you notice the difference between the 220 and the 110? Did it change the sound of the the amps? You know, it it's hard it's hard for me to rem, to really remember that because it was such a long time ago I was using the Marshalls. You know, I do have a real fondness for the warmth of the Marshall over there, and I don't think the ones I played over here are sounding quite as warm. So, but that could just be nostalgia, you know. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't know. I can't say for sure because it was. I mean, I was using. Them de- I, I know that's a know. different form. Uh, down converting them. Yeah. It sounds I, I, better. I I could see it. I could definitely see it. You know. Now. Before we play some of the clips, which I want to get into, uh, let's talk a little bit now. You're you're over at. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your teaching and yeah, you, you've written some books. Well, yeah, just just a book for Cherry Lane, but the book for Cherry Lane was really what uh, got me the job with Truefire. And with Truefire, I've done a, a you know about twelve years of work with them. Everything from um, hosting their YouTube live lessons to publishing courses with them, filming courses with them, running a channel. I ran a classroom for 10 years, you know, it, it, and I write, I write instructional articles for Riff Journal, which mm-hmm. is their magazine and stuff. So I do a lot, a lot of work with them, um, you know, and, and they're based out of um, St. Petersburg in Florida. So I fly down there and mm-hmm. we shoot in their studio down there. Um, so that's been, that's been a big part of it because I still have a, a lot of private students and I teach, you know, here from my home studio as well. Um, so I do that, and I do Truefire, and I do MI. Um, you know, and, and I also have done, you know, a bunch of session stuff and everything. And like what you were saying at the start, in, in order to be a working musician these days, you know, and I decided when I was at college, right, I'm, this is what I'm going to do, you have to diversify. I mean, there is no way around it, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, that, and that could mean playing 200 wedding gigs a year and i've done that you know uh and and it can mean you know it can be going out on the road and i've done that i toured with a blues band through the midwest and the south and got to see the real america you know uh, so i've done that as well but but of you know what's best for my health is probably the teaching because you know when you're doing those when you're doing those 10 to 2 gigs and you do 200 a year you know they they start to weigh you down but that's a, while, a lot know. of i mean to to do all those videos and yeah. stuff for true fire yeah. and the rift journal yeah and still do mi mm-hmm. that's a lot of work i mean i don't see how you have time to play anything well i'm only at mi um one full day so, you know, and then I come in and sub on some other days and stuff. And the True Fire stuff, it's like, you know, I'm going to go into a phase in November where I'll be hard 
you know, putting a lot of time into writing two more courses, go back January, shoot those, then those are done, you know. So it, it, it's all, I'm, I'm, I'm a project practicer with the bands as well. Like, you know, my trio hasn't, hasn't played for a while, but we have a gig coming up. So now I'm thinking about that music, right, you know. Right, and right. It's, so every, everything I do is project-based, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a juggling act. I mean, it, you know, it's, I, I, you know, after I put my daughter to bed, I go back and play, you know. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's what you do. You know? <laughs> so how do you like working with at Musicians Institute? Oh, I, lo- be, I love it. That must be a that's a unique place. I mean, oh, I just I love it. You know, and and I think you know I, I've I've made a pretty good start there. And I, I think I'm going to be there for a long time. I just get that feeling, you know. Um, and you know, I was reading about GIT guitar magazines when I was in, in a kid in England. It seemed like a different universe. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, yeah, I really did. And and so it's it's a thrill, you know. And it's and you go in the staff room and and you know you get some great uh, great stories about the old days and everything like that, which is well, fantastic. You, you do have an unusually yeah gifted faculty exactly exactly yeah a lot of major players yeah it's great and and i really you know and and i think the students are great as well you know i mean i mean you know a lot of them are there for the right reasons and and really and really work which is great Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah i I i find it a very inspirational place to be because when i'm you know a student will come into my open counseling and they'll ask me something about you know, one of the levels because the curriculum split into levels and they'll say, what about this? And I'll go, yeah, okay. And, and then I'll teach him that and I'll think, man, I've really got to, you know, I've really got to like work on that to make sure I know, right. you know, that because that's, that's the top level stuff, you know. So it, it keeps me uh, practicing <laughs> you know, for, your, yeah. for sure, yes, you know, yeah. yeah. Now, um, let's talk a little, you are always using strats, but this, yeah. what's, because I want to show this guitar sure. then I'm going to start playing some of the clips. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about how you got to exotic and uh, from strats to exotic, which is. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, over the years, I started doing things to all my strats. I would take the string tree off. I would change right. the pickups. I would reset the tremolo. Now, why why know. would you take the string tree? Because I, I would often hear that little <laughs> sound and it would it would go out of tune. You know? oh, okay. and, and, and so I would make all these little adjustments to my fenders over the years. And then it, and then it sort of occurred to me that. There were people out there doing this work for me, and I didn't have to keep taking parts out of my guitars. You know, I was always changing the nut. Did you find that yeah. without the string trees, did you notice any difference in sustain? Or I did actually. Yeah, no, it was fine. Yeah, yeah, it didn't, fine. yeah. It didn't make any difference at all, as far as I could tell. Yeah, because yeah. okay, that's you know. that's the main purpose of that was basically to push Suppos- supposedly, but I never had any issues with it. You know, so um, anyway, so I, I would do this all this work to these guitars, and then I started looking around into some of these other you know, builders. And I, I went through a few different phases. You know, I had a Tom Anderson. I had a, a sewer, uh, which is for sale. <laughs> I had a, uh, a music man, which, uh, you know, being a big Steve Lukather fan, I, I tried that guitar, but the scale was all wrong for me. I felt like a giant on it, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, but yeah. And then, and then I, I went to see um, uh, Scott from MI, Scott Henderson at NAM, And um, while I was the exotic, they just started launching these guitars because they were primarily known for the pedals, you know, and uh, so I picked one of these up and I went, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I really like that, you know. Um, and then I made an appointment to go down to the factory and we, we built the first one for me. And the first one I have is a pink one and it's number 17. So it's one of the real early ones they made. Um, I took it back there a few weeks ago, actually, when I was taking mm-hmm. this one in. And they were like, oh, it's so different. You know, it was. Uh, and then this one, you'll laugh, but this one has the serial number 666. So this is, <laughs> this is the evil <laughs> this is blue devil here. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm expecting my playing to improve a lot with that, yeah, you know, yeah. with, with that deal I've made. But uh, that's right. I haven't seen it yet. But. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's older, and then it has the flamed maple neck. Which the main thing about 
you know, unplugged, it real, really resonates, you know. Um, you can hear it. You know, yeah. yeah, you really can. It's almost like an acoustic. And he's got the, uh, this is the roasted maple. Yeah, flame roasted it's maple. really exactly. beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it's really pretty. Um, and then these are these are Exotic's raw vintage pickups, the 60, and these are their standard uh, strap pickups, you know, so. Play a little yeah. bit with it. Yeah. Now, we're not using... We're not using his standard setup. He's using my little Marshall, and um, I'm using the uh, Solo Dallas, uh, the Storm, for him for a little bit of a boost. So that's the humbucker. You know, and then like for a cleaner kind of set, I know it's not going to be super clean on this little lamp, but. Um... Has that nice bluesy kind of tone, you know? So yeah, it's nice, nice range of tones I think from it, you know, and in between. You know, it gets kind of get kind of nice. To give uh, justice to Exotic, uh, uh, it's hissy in here, but you have to understand he's right under fluorescent lights. So <laughs> plus, we have this little compressor. Being, yeah, <laughs> it's okay. yeah, that, yeah, but it's it, that's part of it. These guitars are usually because Jeffrey Marshall was on mm-hmm. with his, yeah, and they're yeah, really Jeff, nice. Yeah. They're really nice. But it gets yeah. a, how's the sustain? Go ahead, and yeah, the sustain is Now that's the humbucker, and yep. you don't have a splitter. No, it's no, just straight it's just, humbucker just straight, yeah, yeah, with yeah, the two. Yeah, yeah, with the two singles. Yeah, it's a great yeah. sounding guitar. Okay, yeah, well yeah, listen, let's nice. uh, let's take a listen. I'm going to go ahead and play uh, something from the Eclectic Trio. Mm-hmm. This is called, if I'm and correct me if I have it wrong. Sure. It's MM Swing. That's correct. Yeah. MM Swing. So take a listen to this, and then I'm going to bring your fader down so the hiss Sorry. is down. Yeah. And then take a listen to this, and we're going to talk a little bit what he did. This is kind of an interesting song. Oh, 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 
So I assume most <laughs> of that was the exotic. Uh, yeah, it was the pink one. The yeah, pink one. The pink it's one. got yeah, a yeah. great sound. Yeah. That's a great sound. Yeah. And I love the Univibe. Oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. yeah. But I like the way you answer. Kind of. Let's talk a little bit about that. So you have the main theme. So the main theme is like the... That's the, and then there's those little, well, those little fills. And I love like the that. way it's, you answer. You know, the right, right. It's just right. out there. It I is mean. a little out there. Yeah. So that main theme, that's actually taken from the melodic minor scale, which is why I called it MM Swing. So that was my little, my little <laughs> nerdy joke to myself. <laughs> and then for that B section with the univibe, I'm just going like... But with the Univibe, when you play that, and when you get these, you get those overtones, which because of that pulsating you know, Univibe sound, you right? Know, it gives you those great overtones. The dissonance on it. So works. The dissonance with, works, yeah. yeah. So and live, that's really fun because it really. It really, really feel oh, it moving, you know. Now, what was what was the amp you were using on that? That was actually, um, I'm pretty sure that I have to think about that. I think that was the, um, I think that was the Lone Star Deluxe, the Mesa Boogie, because that was before I, right before I got the Bogner, so that would have been the the Mesa Boogie. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. The Lone Star, and so, so you're using the same guitar for both parts. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I played the um, the pink strat, and I think I added a clean I added the clean chords underneath them with a different pickup selector. But yeah, it was all the, the same guitar, strat, same, same guitar. Amp. Yeah, same. same amp. Amp. Well, the, the yeah. Lone Star can get yeah. pretty clean too. It gets oh a, yeah, it's a nice yeah, sound. yeah. I guess, and, and, and that would... didn't need to be super clean for that. You know, that could have a little bit. I could have a little bit of, right, right. of sort of dirty clean, so that worked fine. And then that is is that a head with a cabinet, or did you use? No, that's a, a combo. That one. That's a combo. Yeah, what is yeah. it? A one twelve? Uh, it is. But then I had a I had a um, uh, extension cap made, another one twelve. Okay. Right? Yeah. And what's in there? Just a, a Celestian? Yeah, they're oh, what do they call them? It's their their sort of anniversary Celestian, whatever that's called. I forget what it was called. The greenback? Um, yeah, it might be the greenback. Oh, the thirty yeah. watt. The yeah. 30 watt greenback? that's what's in the Bogner actually. Is the thirty watt. Right. Yeah. No, I think it's something else in the in the Mesa Big. I don't. Remember. The gold. The gold. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's sixty. Yeah. Okay. They're a little okay. heavier, but yeah. it's the All Nico. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, got yeah, that yeah. nice sound. Yeah. It's got a really yeah. good sound. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Good. So tell us a little bit about the eclectic trio. So uh, the guys and and, yeah. and what you're trying to do with that group. Sure. Sure. So um, so I met uh, the drummer that's in that group, Carl Thompson. He and I both worked at a, at a music school in Santa Monica when I first moved to L.A. And um, we thought it would be it would be fun. He's also English, so that was immediate uh, yeah. you know, trouble. Uh, but we thought we thought it would be fun to put something together. And then he'd played previously with the bass player Austin um, Underhill. And it turns out that Austin went to MI, and his very good friend and roommate at MI is Kenny from Exotic. <laughs> so all these all these like people, everybody knows each other in this LA scene. I didn't know this, you mm-hmm. know, so later on we found out everybody knows each other. Anyway, so we got together to play with those guys and we had a little uh, sort of a residency gig over at uh, Trip in Santa Monica. We did every every Sunday, mm-hmm. first Sunday of the month or something like that for a few months. And it was a really, really fun gig. And, uh, you know, I, can, I put together... I wrote a bunch of songs. We picked a couple because at that point we didn't have a lot of material. So we picked a few standards and we just kind of jammed. And it was really, really fun. And, and we've been playing ever since. Um, that was probably, was probably four or five years ago. 
and um you know and so and then we've we've done a few recordings you know the thing with the band is though all three of us are really busy so we don't play very often you know like i think the last time we played was about uh six seven months ago so mm. this gig coming up in, in uh, september will be exciting for us um you know and it's just everyone's everyone's just really busy doing other things so the band you know the two bands i work with are very different catatonic has a very regular rehearsal schedule this band does not <laughs> this band we'll, we'll do one rehearsal and we'll go and we'll play the gig and there'll be a lot well, of how do you improv, describe yeah. the difference in music between catatonic and the trio is more rock based and mm-hmm. more kind of it has a, a rock energy to it it still has some some funk and jazz moments but oh and also i sing in the trio and catatonics at the moment is all instrumental although that might change but so catatonic is this more what jazz jazz funk kind of yeah yeah okay um and both bands do original music the trio does now all original music catatonic does about 60 percent original music so you know i like that i like to do the original stuff i've I've played so many cover gigs (laughs) i never really feel the need to do that again you know so um, but yeah, the energy of the trios is really important. I think it, it's, it has a certain, you know, there's a certain uh, fly by the seat of the pants kind yeah, of feeling about it's it. It's great. You know? It's a lot. Of, I like the energy yeah. in it, and I like the dissonance. It's kind of yeah. It's kind of prog yeah. in a way. Yeah, and so. I actually love prog too. I mean, like I'm a big Stephen Wilson fan. If you know Stephen Wilson, and, you know all the old prog bands, of course. And I did a I did a, a album and a bunch of gigs with a prog band a few years ago as well mm-hmm. so i like that style of music a lot no i mean that the, some of the chords that you're using in that last thing yeah remind me a lot of fripp oh sure yeah he, yeah the, he would yeah. just do He's stuff a like master that just to shock you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly yeah. all right let me i'm gonna play uh seven voices okay and this is another one with the trio so take yeah. a listen to this it's it's and uh we'll talk a little more what you did here
Good place to good cut. Good edit, yeah. <laughs> really good edit. <laughs> I, I can feel the uh, the Holdsworth vibe. That is a it. very Holdsworthy one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But I love the way yeah. you're getting that sustain. You're getting that real like liquid sound. It's right, really right. a smooth sound. So how did you do that? I think on this one, I used a combination. I th- I have a feeling I used the uh, pinnacle, the Wampler pinnacle on this for extra sustain. Okay. Uh, you know, because I was experimenting with different pedals at that point. Um, and so I, that was probably run through the, the, the fender, the clean fender with that pinnacle in it, actually. Because I think I tried tracking this with the, um, with the Mesa Boogie and it wasn't quite what I was looking for because I wanted that, you know, Holsworth has, it's quite saturated, but it's still kind of, you know, clear. Right. Now, are you yeah. playing with fingers or is that a pick? No, that's... It's all, it's all pick as well. But, but I mean, like uh, some of the notes. The, some of the notes. The attack, are, you, how yes. Do you, how yeah. do you get out with... Yeah, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of hammer-ons and stuff in it, but and then a lot of pickup, a lot of pickup switching right. going on. But in you it. get that, yeah. you, you you mute the attack of it, right? Right, doing right. Those long notes where you're milking, it. right? And when I use the like that kind of thing, you know, that kind of thing, you know. So yeah, it's it's and I do a lot of the raking. kind of stuff as well so yeah i mean i i do use pick and fingers sometimes and not really realize i'm doing it because i you know i like that hybrid sound so it's not impossible that for some of those i might have just like you know grabbed it with the finger but for the most part it's it's pick you know now, was, was that the was that the uh pink one that was a pink one yeah yeah because i'm noticing the the tone that you're getting out mm-hmm. of that it's a really well this one's pretty close yeah now I, again i'm he's using my amp and it's yeah if you were hearing using the you know yeah it's hard to approximate the same but time it's with it's pretty lamp, close but, but, but that, yeah. that that there's that certain note da, 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 yeah that one there it just rings right it's right, just right really sweet that 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 one right yeah and that's the that's the neck pickup B section was definitely the neck pickup, yeah. So that's single coils, yeah. Yeah, but it just it's just like it hits that one da 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 da. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It just rings. It sure. kind of takes off a little bit. Yeah, and it I have quite a, I have quite a heavy. You know, I'm I'm not shy about you're you're hard. Yeah, <laughs> not shy about. I can hit, hear the, the I can hear the pick yeah. against. Right, 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 that. right. Yeah, I'm not yeah. I'm not shy about. It. I think that was the rock upbringing <laughs> now the next thing i'm gonna go ahead and yeah, play is yeah. the um uh the canatonic piece yes so uh give a give us a little more story about the the group and and the people involved. yeah so catatonic got together um uh i just met a bass player and a drummer and they and we talked about they told me that they were trying to do this kind of like jazz group but not really a traditional jazz group kind of thing well that's what i heard that they said <laughs> you know they may not have said that but that's what it's become yeah and then uh, i have a friend who's a great saxophone player jeff snow and and uh, so the drummer michael salenza bass player chris coulter and then uh, they wanted a sax player and they tried some guys out. I hadn't found the right guy. So I called him and I said, hey, do you have the time? And he's like, I think I do. So he came down and we all played together. And then we kept it as a four piece for a while. Um, and then we decided it would be nice to add 
a um, keyboard player. I was particularly relieved because they had me playing for the stuff that wasn't original. We were doing like Chick Corea tunes and Yellow Jackets tunes, and I'm covering all those piano parts on guitar, which is really challenging. I mean, I really yeah. enjoyed the challenge, but I was a bit relieved when the keyboard player yeah. came in. So we did a bunch of gigs without keyboards, and that was great, and it was fun. And then eventually we added a keyboard player, and now um, myself, the drummer, and the keyboard player are all bringing in original our own tunes as well. So we've right. expanded the repertoire. But I like well. the way the interaction between you and the sax. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. Oh, and so for this song, for example, Nuada on the One, um, you know, I wrote it with the horn in mind. You know, So to, you wrote specifically yes, the lines. Yeah, that's... exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And my idea was, um, it was a, I want it to be like a James Brown funk meets a Celtic melody. That was my, because Nuada is a Celtic god. I have but, to you write know, that so. down. <laughs> that was my, now whether or not I accomplished that, I have no idea. But, you know, and on the one is the reference to James Brown, you see, and then Nuada is the, the Celtic god's figure, you know. So that was the idea. And so, you know, the, the funk part was the, was the main A section. And then for the B section, when I came up that little melody... You know, it has all these these little pull-offs in it that, to me, sound Celtic. You know, you can almost mm -hmm. see it being played on a, on a more traditional instrument. You know, right. right. So that was the idea to sort of meld those two styles together. Some of the, the stuff that you guys do, uh, not on this tune, but yeah. I've noticed. Do you ever try to? Um, I don't know how to. How do you pronounce yeah. the name of the instrument? The it's a it has a bladder. The uh, I'm spacing right now. Well, like, like backpipes. Ulian pipe. Oh, is, the Ulian pipe. Is, is yeah. that you yeah. call it Ulian pipe? Right, right, right. Yeah. No, no. I mean, not because they do these you know, weird little yeah. scales. Yeah. True. 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 Is that hard to do yeah. on guitar? I mean, I, I, I mean, there's a sometimes you can do that thing that Joseph Trioni does, and it kind of has that sound. You know, it's like yeah. it doesn't mean to, but it's sort of does. You know, and then you can bend behind the nut. So you, you can kind of approximate these That's things. Cool. You know? That is cool. Well, it's just like doing those 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 kind of things, you know, like where you slide out of, you know, which has an Eastern kind of quality to it. Yeah. And if you take a scale like, you know, do that yeah, and mix it all together. Little, they do those little yeah. turnarounds and right, they're really right, cool. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that stuff is in, my, is in my mind, definitely, you know, so... I don't know. All right, let's play it and then we'll talk a little more. Okay. Here it is, a Nuwada on the Nuwada on the one. On the one. Here we go. Thank you. 
So that was the guitar solo that you picked up. Right. <laughs> I, I, the, the, the piece is about five minutes, and yeah, I yeah. just pulled the guitar part. But there's actually a, uh, there's an improv, I think, with the, the sax. Yeah, stuff, yeah. But, but what I mean is you didn't. That was that didn't have the Celtic bit in it. The Celtic bit's the other bit of the melody that we didn't hear. Oh, that, but, but oh it okay, matter, okay. You know, no, I heard the guitar. The uh, and I wanted to show that yeah. because you're kind of answering yourself. Yeah. Well, there's a funny story to why that is really answering myself as well. Because for this song, um, you know, being a working musician, not having much money for studio time, uh, I recorded uh, that from a gig. So that was Catatonic playing at Vitello's in oh. uh, Studio City. And I, I had the sound man just um, record the stems, you know, the basic tracks for me. And um, But I knew I wouldn't be able to live with the guitar solo because it's just not going to happen. You know, so I remixed the song at home in Logic. And then what I did was I kept half the guitar solo and then I answered myself in the bits I didn't like. <laughs> so uh, so it's not the most, you know, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of cheating. I really should have left the whole thing, but I just, there was some... Well, no, but like, I mean, uh, how did you keep you know? the leakage up? Because there's a uh, lot. Of there leak. is leakage in it, actually, but but it's it's you know I managed to mix around it and I did I it was a painstaking. I mean I went through every snare hit, every overhead, and you know did this with the files. You yeah, know, it took them. it took a long time. You know, but I'm when I get onto a project like that, I'm super obsessive and annoying. So I'll just do that no matter how long <laughs> how long it takes. You know, I drive myself mad. You know, with it. But uh, now you were using what did. What that's the using? Bogner, by the way. That's, that's the, the Bogner, Bogner yeah. live. Yeah, Bogner. And yeah. this guitar? Yes. Okay. Now, what was the guitar that you used in the studio to fill? Oh, same. Know? Same. Yeah. The same setup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I tried to recreate the, the I mean, it's, it was tricky, you know, getting that the live sound. But it, it's, you know, and, and I, I switch pickups a lot when I solo anyway. So there's, there's going to be some differences in you know i'm not i'm not too worried about it so you know i think i think it sounds fairly balanced you know so, no well, but yeah. it kind of works because yeah. you're answering exactly, so exactly that, yeah. to me it, it it was more like two guys right playing exactly it was the guy on the gig and then the guy that was went yeah home well was now able, i know the story but i mean it sounded like you just overdub <laughs> yeah. an answer yeah. to it but it right. wasn't a it didn't sound to me like a fix it was like right, just right. an answer yeah to yeah it. yeah and some of it and some of it i i left in some like there's mm-hmm. this one little thing where it's just kind of chromatic and is kind of weird, but I, that happened at the gig and I kind of liked it. So I left. I mean, strictly speaking, it's in the wrong key and it's out of tune, but you know, I like, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, but yeah, you're not afraid yeah. to just dive bomb on that whammy <laughs> yeah. bar. Right, I love right, it. Right. Yeah. Cause sometimes there's nothing better to do than just go nuts on the whammy bar. Yeah, I actually bar. broke the whammy bar in my pink guitar at the baked potato. I'm, the, I'm only the second guitarist in exotic history to do that. But To yeah, break it? Yeah, that they know. So about do you that. have a special one now? Is that like stainless steel? No, no, it's just it's just I need to behave more with behave. it. <laughs> but I love it because yeah. like, you'll be in the middle yeah. of a phrase and yeah. you'll be doing something and... Right, right. You know, exactly. so that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's take a listen to this song. It's called um, Take These Blues. Yeah. And this is uh, you singing, mm-hmm. right? So... Is this just a session or did this, no, no, no. was this a group thing? No, that's, that's, um, well, that was, that was actually the drummer and bass player from a band I was in called Funk Yard, uh, here in LA. And, um, but that's a song I've been doing with my trio ever since. And this was an early one. This was like, uh, 2014, not early, but earlier. And that's, um, I've done that in the trio, probably every gig we've ever done. I really like doing this song live. Okay. And I do, I do three or four vocal songs. Now, I'm actually grabbing most of the guitar stuff, but you'll hear a little bit of them. I kept a little bit so you can hear them uh, sing in there. So let me, uh, this is Take These Blues. Here you go. (laughs) 
on my own Can't you find another way Have the key But it's not a home things you throw into the effects i think i do them just for my amusement because i forget they're there and then when i hear a song like two years later it makes me smile so that's good yeah it's interesting now uh, and again let me explain i'm cutting a little segment of the bigger song sure there's a lot of there's a couple of verses before that came in and um i noticed that uh so you're doing this lead opens up with this lead the, the clip that i'm playing yeah and then there's this like middle section that's a different guitar oh that's a I think it was just a different pickup, actually. I don't, I'm not sure. I think it was just the neck pickup. It did, really? sound, it did sound pretty different, it didn't it? Pretty... As opposed to. Yeah, I think it was a different pickup. But that, that was the, because that's when I first got to LA. So that was the Fender Vibralux with the uh exotic ac plus <laughs> so that was a completely different setup for that one vibralux yeah oh, okay yeah. that's what the that's the tens yes that's the right that's right yeah and then that was a uh, exotic what was the name of the, the ac plus which is their their old boost kind of pedal and stuff so that's, and like, want... that's like the ac30 right right and right. Uh, well um yes but it also has like a heavier gain side as well because i think right. it was, yeah but so I wanted that for that because it was a bluesy song, you know, um, and I do quite. It's funny. I, recently, people have been saying, I didn't know you sang. I have this whole other catalog of like vocal songs. People just don't hear them that much, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, I do that, too. And uh, no, that's a great sound. Now, one of the things I really like about that piece, and yeah. that was one of the reasons I wanted to go into the verse that where you're singing a little sure, bit, sure. is your comping is interesting. Oh, right. Right. And, and by the way, live, that's different, completely different every time. Like, what we do with that is, I mean, assuming I can remember the lyrics, which is always a question, um, the feel for those verses is different at every gig that the trio does. Right. You know, I mean, not dramatically. But, but when you but, play you chords, know. you syncopate it. So you're doing stuff around it. So, yeah, that was like the, the, the front part. Right. But when you're singing, you're going, you would do like... I'll do like the little... Little licks around it, you mean? Do that, yeah. but you also yeah. did chord things. Right, like, right, right. Yeah, so like stings, like yeah, like I'll do like those little walk-ups and things. Yeah, because I like jazz chords a lot, you know. And and I find it's interesting to me, like even in this song, I have a part, you know. And then on the turnaround, I have I have this chord. And you don't often get that in a blues song. <laughs> so, often don't get that at any of Right. Thankfully. That's a cool but, song. That's a cool chord. So that's... And then... That's the first time. Then the second time... And that's just a turnaround chord. But I like... 
the way it leads us back in, you know. So I try and put those in just again because it's an interesting harmony. I mean, I love bands like Steve. But you Dan just, stuff, you, you know? but you do a lot of rhythmical things. I do, comp- yeah. And it's yeah. a comp style, and I think it's yeah. an interesting comp style because you're doing the fills, right, right, and those are cool in themselves. Yeah. But you're doing these like rhythm, rhythm fills, yeah. And that's kind of what my main, my main true fire courses are about. Um, they're called uh, chord navigator, cage triads, and and I so I do. You know, a lot. I do a lot of, of fills that are based around, you know, that, that kind of sound. You know, f- pulling out those jazzy little, little. You know, even just like if you're going to play a D minor, yes, you could play that. But why not play this? You know, why not stretch it a little bit? You know, because it's interesting, right? If you're going to play a D minor, what does D minor nine sound like, or D minor eleven? You know, so I'm always trying to experiment with that, and and often it at that point it's quite subconscious because it's like because that was all track live you know so those yeah, yeah. Rhythms, so it's just kind of coming out you know but yeah you know it, it's i think rhythm playing is super important and i think it's kind of i, I talk about it a lot with my students i think it's really overlooked yeah know, no it's there's an art to it and there's an art to do that kind of comping right because the only time i've I, I hear a lot of that style where you're rhythmically yeah just opposing against the vocal is a lot of keyboard players do that. Right. They really right. do that. They do. And you know, it's very interesting. I have to approach my rhythm playing completely differently in catatonic than I do in the trio for that yeah. very reason. Because I know I've got the space behind me in the trio. Yeah. And, you know, it's just so you. I can, you know, yeah. Yeah. Plus, if works. I do more of that, I don't have to sing as much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's, a, yeah. it's good stuff. Yeah, thank you. I told you this would fly by. We're already out of time. <laughs> okay. So I just want to mention uh, www.robgarland.net. Yes. Now, you were mentioning an upcoming gig for the trio. Yes, trio has a gig uh, in Trip Santa Monica, um, September fourteenth, which is a Saturday night, and we're going to play a ninety-minute set at ten thirty, and so that's that's Trip Santa Monica on Lincoln, um, and then a week later, uh, Catatonic are back at Vitello's again in Studio City. That is the. I might have to look what the date is on that one. That is. That's a Wednesday. I believe it's the 20... Uh, hang on, let's see. That's September too, right? Yes, that's also September, yeah. So that is... That is... Small, that is September... 25th. Wednesday, September 25th. Cat- Catatonica back at Vitello's at 8 o'clock. And then on October the 23rd, which is also a Wednesday... Catatonica bake at the uh, back at the baked potato, which playing there is you know one of the big thrills of my lifetime because I'm quite obsessed with that place and the recordings and the music and the amazing musicians. It's a great room. You know, it's it's a, great a great little room. room. Yeah. It's a funky little place, but it's oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then also give information for the uh, the different things that you're doing. The course, the yeah the videos. Give all that. Yeah. If you so if you go to robgarland.net, all of the True Fire courses are on there. And I just released a new one a couple of weeks ago, which is called um, uh, Take Five uh, Chord Tone Soloing, which is about mm-hmm. using chord tones to solo. And there's my caged chords on there. And then I'm shooting some more in January. Um, basically, the website kind of leads you to everything. If you want to follow on Instagram or Facebook or all that fun stuff, you can get to it from the website. Okay. You know? um, so... By the way, I also for any you know for guitar players listening, I send out a weekly free email with a new lesson every week. And if anyone wants to subscribe to that, again, they can do it from from the website. Yeah. Oh, very very cool. Yeah. Very yeah. very. You guys got to check that out. Um, the uh, I want to thank you again. It, it's a it, this is a great show. This is a lot. Of, it was very interesting. Thank you. Um, I'm going to take us out with a another one from the eclectic trio 
called Lead Meat Bath. Yeah, that was recorded live in Thousand Oaks, that one. So that's all live. No overdubs on that one. Okay. Anything you want to say about it? Uh, the Bogner was really loud. <laughs> we, put, we put it in a in an isolation. So is that the Bogner uh, in this guitar? Yeah, and it was in an isolation cab. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and it was so loud. But yeah, we played that live, and and I would have liked to have been able to uh, do some overdubs and work on that one. But I, we were going for that kind of raw vibe. So no, yeah. it works really yeah. well. Well, listen, I want to thank you again, and hopefully we'll have you back. Thank you so much. It's and been a really real pleasure. I thank love you. the guitar. You can leave it with me. It's not a problem. <laughs> it hasn't been that much. Let's of a go <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'll just take it and leave. But uh, no, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. So this is, uh, i got to get this right, Lead Meat Bat. And this is the Eclectic Trio. This is a fun song. So everybody, thank you again. We'll see you next week. Have a good week. And here you go.